Hello everyone and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be discussing the peaceful process to dispute resolution. My name is Lucy Good and I am the founder of Beanstalk, an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mothers from all walks of life. My aim with these podcasts is to get useful, targeted information to single mums wherever you are and whatever you're doing. I hunt down experts in the subjects that matter to single mums and I ask the questions that I think you want to know the answers to. The information being shared in my free podcast can save you time, money and a whole lot of worry. And if you have questions that are specific to your situation, my guests are always happy to go a step further. So don't be afraid to contact them directly if you like what you're hearing. And talking of guests, it's my great pleasure to introduce today's podcast guest, Sarah Dukes from PayMac Mediation. Now, Sarah is an experienced mediator, family dispute resolution practitioner, teacher, coach, counsellor, and the founder of PayMap Mediations. She established the company out of the love for her two daughters, Peyton and Mackenzie, hence the name, very clever, PayMac, and the belief that there had to be a better way for children who were raised in families with separated parents. Sarah's own childhood growing up with separated parents, her work as a secondary school teacher and her own divorce and co-parenting journey has given her first-hand real-life knowledge that perfectly complements her qualifications. She has over 10 years' experience working with children and their families in education. In that time, she has guided many children and parents through life's changes. It was when Sarah went through her own separation that her focus and passion in life shifted. She immersed herself in study about all aspects of separation and the impact on children. And it is this work that brought her to this podcast today. Welcome, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you, Lucy. It's great to be here this morning. Well, thanks for coming on. I do like to set the scene for um, the single mums listening. Usually we would be talking on a Wednesday lunchtime. In fact, fact, it's very early on a Sunday morning right now because we had to make a small change. Um, And it's quite nice. I'm sitting here with a cup of tea, feeling quite relaxed. Um, So I think it should be a really nice, easy chat today. Yeah. Um, So, look, I chat to separation professionals all the time in my line of work, but what drew me to you is your particular attention to the children involved and your emphasis on, you know, making it a peaceful process. Um, And I can imagine this comes from your own personal experience as a child of divorced parents. May I ask what stands out most in your mind from your younger years when your parents separated? Um, It would probably have to be as a child and even as as an adult now um, is still working through how to manage and deal with separated parents who um, couldn't move past, you know, couldn't move past that conflict. Um, And, you know, for what was their relationship baggage became my baggage as a child, um, which had sort of nothing to do with me. Um, And you know, I love my mom and I love my dad very much, but it became a real um, difficult choice because you felt like you had to choose because you couldn't have both at the same, you know, in the same room or anything like that as a child, or it was actually a really stressful time. 
um, to have any celebration as a child in, in your life because you want both your mum and dad there. But it was so overwhelming and daunting from a child's point of view, the thought of actually having them both there. And um, I, when I separated, I just never wanted my, my, my children, my girls, to, to go through that or to feel that way. Um, like they had to choose between their mum and their dad or feel guilty for loving both of them um, or feeling like they had to filter what they were saying in life. Um, yeah, and that's probably been my biggest driver for all the study and everything that I've done to be where I am today. Yeah, and I think that's incredibly important because you can do all this study, but if you haven't experienced um, what it's like, then you haven't got as much knowledge as somebody who has. And I know for me, I um, was working in a job when I, well, for three years after my breakup, and I was very close to a younger girl there. Um, Well, she's 28 now and married. Um, But, you know, when I met her, she was about 25. But her parents separated when she was younger. And I would say she was one of my best resources and my best supports when I went through my separation because I would talk to her about what it was like for her. And she said to me, the, the one thing that really stood out in her mind was how um they used to slag each other off the parents and she said she just did not want to know that as a child it did nothing um at all to help her and that stood in my mind so that was something that I know we all know you shouldn't do it but to hear it from somebody who's been through it really helped yeah and it's just you know those things like when when you are in an intact family and together you do share those beautiful memories. Oh, you've got, you know, eyes like your dad or, you know, oh, that's so much like what your dad does. But when it becomes, when you separate and it is highly conflictual, um, that becomes a, a bad thing then. And But something that a child knew as a positive thing is now, oh, wow, that like, you know, my, my parent hates, hates that about them. So they must hate that about me. Yeah. And, you know, those types of things and, and children – uh, like they make those links all the time and it's just really people don't understand the impact of, of their words and their actions and how much children understand, even little children, how much they actually take in of the um, of, of the conflict and, and can sense the energy and, and, and how both parents feel. Yeah, we just don't realise how clever they are, do we? Oh, no. They <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the biggest thing with little kids is if they don't um, – understand something they will make that assumption like Mm. if they you know they'll make up their own meaning you've all heard heard kids do that um and you're like how did you (laughs) you know they'll tell you a funny story and they're like no that's because of this and you're like what how did you how did you put that together no that's that's not why that happened like and but it's just because they made up their own meaning to it unless they know anything else that's what they do exactly Um, yeah 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 oh, and they can get it so wrong can't they and they can live with all this guilt and you just don't know I mean it's a whole subject in itself really isn't it just talking just about how the kids feel in that process and how to get through it but we'll yeah. we'll um we might do that in another podcast one day because uh, it is I just think it is so helpful for people to to hear this stuff um but we'll we'll move on to the questions that I've got in regard to just generally being able to peacefully 
um, settle disputes, which I think is something that single mums will be really interested in. So um, I'll head into the question. So my first one is, you describe separation and divorce as a crisis of change. And as someone who's experienced this, I'm inclined to agree with your description. Um, And I'm sure that the single mums listening would agree with that too. So why do you describe this period as a crisis time? Because a crisis is something that is usually, it's transitional. So it's not, it doesn't last forever, um, but it is something that is extremely stressful and can be really overwhelming uh, when you're in the middle of it. And there's so much change that happens. So um, for yourself, um, it it can mean significant, well, it always means significant financial changes. And then, you know, your change of relationship, the change of the boundaries with your ex-partner who's now you're trying to parent and co-parent or parallel parent with. Um, There's also, there's so many changes within yourself, um, feeling, working through your own emotion and your grief and your loss, but there's also change of your daily routine. There's change of pressures and demands on you. Um, You still have work happening. And there's so many important decisions to make at that time. Um, and probably the hardest thing is trying to process all of those feelings of grief and loss on top of that. Um, you know, it can be really raw at at times and, and very, very intense. And you're also dealing and having to work with someone who's going through the same thing, but most of the time at a different stage to you. Um, so, you know, you, you might feel really angry and, and, um, frustrated at the separation, but they feel really sad and depressed or, you know, hopeful or, or, or you know, or even relieved and totally moving forward. Um, and, and that's probably some of the biggest causes of conflict in separation is the different in difference in emotional states between the parents who are separating. Mm, yeah. And it is that kind of emotion, overwhelm of emotions, isn't it? Which is mixed with all these necessary practicalities that you have to wade your way through and Mm. the timing is awful I think it's one of the worst timed things you know that you have to deal with all these hard things um, in your life in terms of the breakup you also perhaps have to find a new place to live you know maybe even a new school Um, you have to look after your kids make sure that they're happy and they're not too um, too affected by it and while you're doing all of this you just have to keep smiling don't you and (laughs) (laughs) this sort of smile with like gritted teeth and a wild look in your eye (laughs) yeah you still you have to show up to work every day because you you know the 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 pressure on uh, you know having a financial income and providing stability and all of those things just got so much more amplified um, because you don't have a secondary income now. You don't have, you know, these things coming in for you and it just adds another level. Um, it, yeah, it does. And while it's adding that level, it's the emotions have, have gone into overwhelm as well because, as you say, there's so many different emotions to deal with and you're probably going through your own process and you're dealing yeah. with your partner's process, which, as you say, can be very different. Um, and every situation, as I'm sure you know, and what you do is, in t- you know, every situation is different. 
but the one thing that is always the same is there is an overwhelm of emotions there's um you know a, an added pressure on the practicalities of getting through life um, and it's all at the same time and it really is such a difficult time and I can understand entirely why you'd call it a crisis time um, and you know yes even if you're relieved if you come out of a relationship you want to get out of it's still a crisis time because you've got so much to get done and get through um, without um, too much upset to yourself to your partner to all the family involved and the children and everyone has their opinion as well you know and that's something that you know affects people so deeply um you know families get involved and invested and you know telling you what to do or what you should be doing or how you should be doing something and it just might not suit you at that time it, it just might not be something that you can do or cope with right now and people unless you're in those person's shoes and doing what they have to do um people don't understand that and that's something that is really difficult for people to to really understand and comprehend when people are behaving a certain way or um, you know different things are happening so yeah nobody knows but you and I suppose is that a piece of advice that you give to, to your clients that you work with um, you know just <laughs> stick to your guns remember what you want from this and try not to allow other people to interfere yeah and that's you know but also to 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 find the right place to to work through all of those feelings and emotions because when you're in that heightened space and, and you're really overwhelmed and stressed, the logical side of your brain, neuroscience, we, I do a lot of stuff with neuroscience and talk to people about how your brain actually works in that that logical side shuts down and, and you can't make those decisions, yeah. those rational, logical, really well-informed decisions if you are in that really heightened emotional state because your brain switches over to fight or flight like it, it's trying to self-preserve, like to preserve itself and it's going, hey, I'm not okay, I'm totally overwhelmed right now. Um, and so you're not making, in some cases, the best decision and that's where getting advice taking your time and going somewhere into a professional space, whether it's a counsellor or a psychologist or someone to help support you through those emotions of the separation and, and dealing with those. Um, you know, we all talk to mates and um, about it and, and whilst that's good and they have the best intentions, sometimes friends, you know, by the end of you're like, oh, I've just, I've just separated and they're like, oh, Wow, yeah, one of my mates um, I work yeah. with or play sport with, she's separated too. And, you know, it, you get a thousand other separation stories, both good, bad, and the horror story. Um, and, you know, that's not what you needed. You needed someone to sit in your space with you to help ask you those questions that needed to be asked to help you work through how you're feeling. Um, and that's what a counsellor is trained to do. They sit in your space with you for that time and it's 100% about you and helping you process and um, move forward um, and deal with what's happening. So it's I, I do really advise it, even if it's just for a little bit, right at the start or... Um, you know, to under, for someone to sit with you in your space. It's so important. And especially for single mums who are crazy busy, as you say, working, looking yeah. after their kids, they perhaps don't have time to stop. So even just that opportunity to sit in a quiet room with someone and chat, um, as simple as that sounds, is 
it's hugely beneficial because they probably don't have the time for it. They just can't find where they're going to make the time to work out what they want. And I love the timing thing as well. You know, don't ever rush these things. Just always take your time because um, the decisions that you're making are the ones that are going to affect your life and the life of your children. So you need to step back a little bit, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you really do. And um, it's sort of like a mental massage. Like I I always see it as something like it's where you get to download without judgment or criticism and you get to sort it out. It's like taking the knots out of your brain if you were to associate it to something. Like it's like you you feel after a day spa or a a facial or a pedicure or whatever it is that makes you feel amazing, a yoga class. You go in and you, you talk through that and it's like a mental massage. You just come out and you're like, oh, wow, I, I'll sleep really well tonight, you know? I love yeah. that term. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to have to use that, <laughs> a mental massage. Yeah. Um, look, my next question leads in perfectly from what we've been talking about. So what's so hard is that during this crisis of change, we're required to make really important decisions. And, and these, as I say, are ones that, you know affect the rest of our lives so from your experience what are the most difficult decisions that people need to make during these times wow um that's a big one because like no two clients are ever the same and it varies significantly from client to client um but in terms of like the really important decisions Number one is about how you're going to communicate every time, like because in an intimate relationship, your communication is very different. There's a lot of, um, you know, the the non-verbal. There's the, you know, um, you also had that trust and a common goal. And when a relationship breaks down, one of the biggest things that I see and that I work with are people that have zero trust for each other anymore. Um, because of things that have happened in their relationship, not so much within a parenting relationship, but sometimes there are issues there as well. Um, But, you know, the mistrust between each other um, with things that have happened between them. Um, So, you know, how will you um, communicate as co-parents about your children's needs and, and what are your boundaries going to be? So, you know, something that's often overlooked um it can create really significant misunderstandings confusion and unnecessary conflict all because of the communication is misinterpreted a text message is misread or um you know a a conversation on the phone was taken the wrong way or you know it's really important to be really clear and clarify what you're trying to communicate to the other person instead of jumping to conclusions and and making assumptions. It's one of the biggest things that um, I can't stress enough with my clients. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, when you – no, I'm just thinking because when you're in this situation where – you're breaking up with somebody because you (laughs) you don't get on with them and yet you've got to make these massive decisions for your kids and you've got to somehow work a way through haven't you um and really it's so difficult to work out how that's gonna how that's gonna all come together because there's so much history in there which is causing problems um and 
I always think when I think of co-parenting, I always think of it as a whole new way of parenting. When we become parents, we don't have a rule book and everyone's a fantastic parent until they have kids. Um, And it's a a very, very difficult job to do to be a parent. I personally think I have two children. I hats off to anyone who has more than two, because I find if you want to parent properly, it is a difficult job to do. So you kind of get your head around doing that. And then you have to learn to co-parent, which is entirely different. And um, I wonder if you'd be interested in this, because it's something that I always say I do. And it's something that my um, lessons of being a co-parent over, say, about four years, um, I really struggled with because um, I'm a 50-50 setup. And um, their father is a fantastic dad. He's really brilliant, but he's very much a competitive parent. You know, he wants to be the best parent. And I've always allowed that to happen. And I've never said or mentioned anything about it because I think, well, you know what? At least he's a good dad. And I deal with so many single mums whose dads don't turn up. You know, the dads don't turn yeah. up, they don't, um, you know, yeah. they're terrible, really, a lot of them. So I feel very lucky. And I think, well, you know, if you want to be in competition and be the best dad you can be, go for it. Because the people who are benefiting is my daughters. Um, but, of course, by the time they get back to me, they're exhausted. Um, and I don't have the time <laughs> or the money to compete with what he's doing with them. So mm. it's rather dull almost when they come to mind. But I've learned that what I call com- complementary co-parenting. So I try and complement the way he co- co-parents. So he is very busy with them, always taking them out. So I give them downtime. He takes them out for loads of meals and they don't eat very well. So I give them healthy home-cooked food. So rather mm. than trying to compete and trying to tell him what he should do in his time, which I don't have any right to do, I try and balance it out for them. And I call that complementary co-parenting. Is that anything you've come across before? Yeah, yeah. And that and that is a, like, that's a fantastic way of looking at it. Um, I see the competitive parents and I see, you know, the, the complementary as well, which is, that is a wonderful term. Um, it, it, it is exactly that. But for children, it's about time like quality time. It's not about, um, for a child, you know, I, we talk to them in child inclusive mediation in the process, like through with a child consultant and we ask them about their experiences and, and how they're feeling and, and what it's like between the two families. And even in the two different houses with really different parents, you know, they've got different beliefs, different values, they eat different foods, all the different rules, all of those types of things they can be really quite different and but to the child what is so important to them and what are some of their best memories are things of just you know playing a board game and being with the other with that parent and having quality time having the laugh and you know um you know oh they they really listen to me you know and and they understand how i feel and they provide that psychological support and emotional support and they feel safe and they feel you know those are the parents that are kicking goals those are the parents that have those real relationships with kids um and you know that that investment there and you know it doesn't matter if you've got nothing or you've got everything if you're not you know making that connection and investing and having conversations with your children that 
um, allows them to express who they are and be who they are, um, then, you know, it, it's not going to work. And that's some of the, one of the biggest things I find with kids and what they give us in terms of feedback, in terms of, oh, we just, we just like, you know, we played cards and it was so good. Like mum laughed or dad was so funny. You know, we cooked dinner together that yes, stuff yeah cooking mine yeah. love to make cakes yeah. and that's such yeah. a sense they remember those things and how yeah. interesting you should say that mum laughed dad laughed because they are so conscious about whether we're happy or not aren't they kids yeah. of separation yeah. one of my um, ladies who did my e-course I um, followed up with her for some feedback and she came back to me and she told me the reason she did the course was because her kids said to her one day mummy are you happy and she said, yes, of course I am. And they said, no, but are you really happy? And that's two little kids saying that. They want to know that we're happy, don't they? Yeah, they want to know that you're all right because, you know, as much as we try and hide our emotions from our kids, I remember when I separated and my children were, my two girls, they were only little, they were 10 months old and two. And, you know, even my 10-month-old at the time, when you, when you have those hard days and, and it's, you know, you, you're going through all those emotions and it's just like, you know, there are some things that you had to come to peace with um, as a separated parent. And I think because for myself personally, it was really that coming to peace with, oh, wow, I'm now a parent like six months of the, the year, um, even though I'm a mum every single day and, and I do all of that. But it felt like my whole world had been halved because I went from seeing my kids every day mm. to – you know, and, and finding the peace with that. But they totally could feel that too. Like they'd she'd come up and hug me and, you know, even now, like if you're having a hard day or whatever, um, she's now six. No, sorry, she's eight. Wow, that went fast. Um, <laughs> it does go fast. Uh, yeah, she, she's eight. And, she, you know, the other day we were in the, in the car driving along and she'll just stop randomly. And I think because I'd been thinking about work and, and something that was coming up, I was going to mediation and, you know, you want to do the best by your clients and you're thinking about how you're going to approach it and what's going to be the best thing for the for, for their personality styles and communication styles and conflict styles. And um, you get distracted and I was taking them to school and she, Patey's sitting there and she's like, Mum, I was like, yeah, darling. And she's like, oh, I love you. And I was like, oh, I love you too. And it was just I think she could feel that's what I needed to know. Like and, and just, uh, you know, it's okay, Mummy. Like you've got this and – they do take it on. They and... are incredible, aren't they, kids? Yeah. They are yeah. just, yeah. I mean, with two girls as well, myself, that when I'm, and, and I don't often get down, but when I do, they pick up on it and they're incredible. They, they know, <laughs> they, yeah, they come and give me a cuddle. So, yeah, you're right. They know. And it's interesting what you say. I have to hurry up. I keep, I've got so many questions for you, but I just wanted to say, <laughs> when you say um, six months a year parent, and that's a really um, quite a blunt way of putting it, but it is true. So let's be bloody brilliant parents in the six months that we do have. Yeah. Um, and I think it allows us to be brilliant parents because we get a chance to recharge. We get a chance to do our own things when we don't have our kids. So we've got no excuse for not doing our absolute best when we yeah. have them and um I mean when Give I get yourself permission to do your own thing exactly like, it's okay when you don't have the kids to do something don't sit around the house and you know mourn that they're not here that was one of the biggest things I had so much trouble to go out and live life without them um that was huge for me 
but you probably I bet you're quite used to it now aren't you <laughs> like you know five or seven years back you know you you really do take that on and and you do um give yourself permission to do that that it's okay um and what and it's so much parental guilt um and that's one of the yeah. biggest it gets you every time it really does and when I get my kids on a I get my kids on a Monday after school and I sit around the corner from the school in my car and when I see them you know I haven't seen them for a whole week and as I see them come around the corner I jump out of the car and I run up and I give them a hug and the other parents must be thinking goodness she's excited to see them but it's been a week and it's like the happiest moment and um, I've got a um, a single dad friend and he does exactly the same timings as me we swap over on a Monday and he says Monday's the best and the worst day of the week because you kind of you get to see your kids which is yeah. great but you also have to say goodbye to them but at the yes. same time as saying goodbye you get your freedom back to catch up on everything so Monday's a really significant day <laughs> feeling good and bad at the same time <laughs> yeah 100% yes <laughs> right I'm going to move on so next question so, um, of course, we've kind of touched on this already, but we'll, we'll go on and dig a bit deeper here. Of course, with decisions comes dispute. And everyone involved, as we said, is very passionate. In order to get through this hard period, we need to get into the right headspace. What advice can you give my single mums listening to prepare themselves emotionally for resolving dispute? Um, to prepare emotionally, the biggest thing is about what boundaries do I need to put in place so that I can manage my emotions around my children when trying to move on with everyday life? So, you know, your um, ex-partner knows so many intimate details about you. They know the exact word or the exact look or the, you know, something to use to trigger your emotions, to get a reaction out of you, to, um, you know, to get you to invest in the drama um, in a way or the conflict and conflict can't continue without your participation and you know whilst it's um, really difficult at some stages to not invest and to not bite in and and to do those things um, it is important it really is important and you'll see the difference once you set the boundaries and whatever the boundary in your head needs to look like, whether it's a white picket fence or it's a big sharp barbed wire fence that if you touch or cross over mentally, you know, oh, this is going to hurt and I shouldn't do this because I'm going to become emotionally invested again, um, then, you know, you need to step back to say, oh, step back, I'm crossing that line. I need to stay in this space because this is where I operate best and make the best decisions for my children. Um, and, and I stay in my parenting space. I stay in that decision-making space um, that is best for my children, not the emotional one, the emotional ex-partner full of the hate, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment, um, all of those types of things, the sadness, the depression, whatever it may be. But the, the, the co-parenting, complementary parallel parenting, whatever it may be, hat that allows you to make decisions that lays the foundation for your children in their new two home family um so you know you don't have to agree to something that you can't agree to um one of the things i ask parents all the time is is why can't you agree to that like what is it about that that proposal that really sits 
not so well with you. So they reflect on why they're actually making that decision. And sometimes it is because it's the right decision for their children. And sometimes it's because I'm really hurt by what they did to me. And it's important to sit back and think about, you know, why am I making the decision I'm making or why do I want what I want for my children? Um, and, you know, how's that going to work? What's that going to look like? Is it even achievable? Um, and how would my children feel about that? Always think about how would I feel if I had to live this way or if I had to go to a changeover that was like that every single time? Um, you know, what example do I want to set for my kids? So, um, and protect yourself, you know, um, especially early on when your heart is still healing and it's quite raw and don't, you know, don't participate in any unnecessary contact. Like that's that boundary setting. Um, Recognise that you need time and space to heal before progressing into a friendly, like business-like co-parenting relationship. It, it won't happen overnight. It, it um, you know, takes 21 days to form a habit, you know, like going to the gym, if you can get to 21 days, it's a new habit. But it takes 63 times, research, neuroscience takes 63 times for that to be a new neural pathway. Mm. So to, to not respond in the same way, you've always responded to your partner when they've been late. Yeah, and, you know, to not respond to your ex-partner the same way when they've been late or, you know, those types of things. How am I going to respond differently so it doesn't escalate into um, significant conflict, um, which makes it more difficult? to co-parent with them. I've got a visual in my head um, of the, as you say, the barbed wire or the picket fence or something. And I can sort of see the kids in the middle. And I think I read somewhere, it might have been on your website or something about, you know, put the kids center stage. Mm. And I really like that because we don't do it enough. Um, And well, I certainly didn't at the beginning. I didn't understand. You learn as you go, don't you, with the separation. But now if we ever have conflict, the first thing that I think is what will be best for the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And I might not, I might, you know, make my decision quite differently. Um, And when you say about sort of the way that you contact an unnecessary contact with your ex, one of the best bits of advice I can give from my own personal experience is even though we've got a reasonably amicable breakup, why have over, why, why, why contact them when you don't need to? Why do it? Because it, you don't know what's going to happen. You've broken up for a reason. Just keep it all as minimal as possible. The less contact you can have, um, the better really, because you're going to actually get on better if you have less contact. Yeah. Um, you know, why you don't need to speak to them about every little thing. Um, and you, you need to leave them to their divide. The kids, when the kids are with, with him, you know, just let them, unless there's something really concerning, just, just let it go. Um, step back and just remember, as you say, um, think of those kids right in the middle of it all on the stage because they're the most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, I'll move on. How important is a good pe- um, parenting plan? Which we, um, I get so many questions about parenting plans in my Facebook group. Um, so how important is it um, in the process of resolving disputes peacefully? Um, and if we decide to go for one, how do we know what to include in it? Um, in terms of like a parenting plan, they are important um, because 
it really just it lays that foundation as to how your because you really become like if you think of yourself as CEOs of a business and your and the business um, and your two biggest investments or assets in your business are your children. You know, if you've got two children, those are really the assets of the business of raising children. And it's what investment are you going to make in terms of, um, you know, the decisions and, and how things are going to work. So if you were to use a business analogy, you've got, um, you know, you, you talk about financial decisions, you talk about, you know, um, operational procedures, um, communication, all these types of things. There are so many um, facets that go into a business. There are so many facets that go into children and raising children. And the biggest danger is assumptions. Like as soon as you start making assumptions, I just assumed you'd wash their clothes. Why aren't you washing their clothes? Or, oh, they never wash their clothes when they come back. Um things like that, like simple stuff. Like some people need to have that in their parenting agreement where um, it's like, okay, we swap um, and it's the parents, we swap on a Monday afternoon. It's the parents' responsibility to make sure that, you know, the clothes are clean for swap over on Monday. So, you know, whichever way the kids are going. And and it just, it takes away that conflict. It's done. If that's what you want to commit to and and do, then it works. Um, some people don't need that. Some people do. Depends on who you're working with and what the other parent is like. Um, the biggest thing is to really sit and think about what is it that I really want the children to learn from us as parents. It's something I ask at the start of every mediation and how can we achieve this over two homes? So in the early stages of separation, sometimes um, I see people who literally have two points on their parenting plan and it's a plan that's in place for the next three months because that is as far down the road as they can see. They don't know if the kids are staying in the same school, that people are moving out, they're finding houses. It's it's all over the place. It is a time of crisis. Um, and, you know, they say, can we just try this for three months because I don't know what's going to happen. And they're so um, uncertain about those things. And, and that's okay. It is absolutely okay. It is 100% normal. And the further down the journey you go, um, you know, the big, the stronger the foundation you'll have laid down and, um, you know, the bigger the decisions you can make sometimes um, in terms of or the easier the decisions become to make together and the communication. And um, I – so with a parenting plan, do you yeah. – you can just keep – you can – start one off and then you can go back to mediation and add yeah. to it is that how they work yeah. yeah yeah you can you could start off and say this is all we can decide is trying to get a care arrangement sorted and you might come back in three months and review that but then you also say hey this issue's coming up like we need to talk about the school mm. um, you can add in schooling you can talk about extra because at, at the same time your kids might not be old enough to play extracurricular yeah. activities yet and it might not be an issue yet so um, you'll come and and you'll talk and say, hey, you know, financially, I think I can afford for them to do two extracurricular activities a term or one or, you know, or they really love dance, but there has, you know, there might have to be a limit. Like that's the communication about what each parent can cope with and fit into schedules and, and to be understanding of that as well. Um, and, you know, and like travel, like 
it'll become your first set of holidays and what's going to happen? Are they allowed to travel out of the state internationally? Like um, all of those things, all of those decisions um, and topics need to be talked about at some stage, but it needs to be at the right time. Um, some people just want it all sorted and unfortunately it can't be that way um, straight up because it, it's way too, way too up and down. Um, mm. You know, it, it's um, – and set the review date because your children change all the time. Um, I see some people – I think the longest parenting plan I had seen had been in place for eight years mm. um, and it finally all hit ahead and people couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't working mm. um, and all of those things and you sort of like, wow – your kid was two. Yeah. <laughs> They're 10 now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, things change so much That's for kids. That's a big difference. Like how have we been working so far? And by the time I saw them, they were pretty much at the at the door of court instead of thinking, hey, I should have come mm. back and reviewed this um, <laughs> a while ago and talked about what was happening for the, for the, for the child. So, yeah, it's – Yeah, it's yeah. really good advice for me to offer as well because on my Facebook group, I mean, I must – there must be probably around – I was just thinking probably – Probably about five questions um, that single mums put on the group saying, look, I'm putting together a parenting plan and I'm really worried because I'm worried I've missed something out or I don't know what to include. Um, and I suppose it would be nice I can go back and say, look, you know, do your best for now. But remember, it can always be changed and you will need to change it. So don't stress too much because I think that is a worry. People think I've got to get everything onto it now. But it's impossible really to think how you just don't know, do you, until some situations arise that you should yeah. have included them. And also, too, like at two, you don't have things like um, braces or, you know, um, like they might not have had asthma or something like that. And, and mm. you, you didn't have those medical expenses or, you know, things like that. Kids change and grow. And um, if there's a need or they might need a tutor, like there's there's certain things that people can't make those decisions with together or, um, you know, your job might change. All of these things might mm. happen and you just have to. Um, and if you, you know, you just want that support to have a conversation that stays on the topic of the child and it doesn't deviate on the tangents of past hurt and all of those things, then um, that is something, you know, to work through together. It's a way to do it. Mediation is that, that safe space, that environment that allows you to explore an issue, generate solutions or options and, and hopefully reach an agreement from that. Um and, and that's what it's all about. And to just accept that life changes and um, your situation will have to change with it. So nothing set in stone, just keep evolving. And that's the way it's going to work, I suppose. Um, yeah. All right. So you talk about parents transforming their previous intimate relationship into a business-like co-parenting relationship. Um, and I do like these terms because it's exactly what we're doing. And it's quite difficult, really. What are your main tips to make this a successful transition? Um, time and effort. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, big... next question. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. A big spoon of patience. Um, it, it, you know, it, you separate for a multitude of reasons. You know, it comes down to a loss of trust, shattering of the dream of your life together and what you were working for, um, dissolving mutual respect, uh, admiration, um, and intense feelings of hurt and betrayal. So, you know, it's, you know, in terms of 
successfully making that transition, it's about cutting those emotional ties and that's about setting those boundaries. Um, you know, and also we talked just then about reviewing a parenting plan. You know, Bill Eddy talks about a thousand little red bricks when you separate. You know, think of it as you get a thousand little red bricks and how you use those bricks when you separate is is up to you. So you can use those thousand little red bricks to build a wall um, or you can use those thousand little red bricks to lay them down to build a pathway, a really solid foundation, a pathway from your house to your ex-partner's house to, to the other parent's house that your child has to walk across. So if you use your thousand little red bricks to build a wall um, and to stay in that conflict and to, um, to, to do all of those things, then it's your child that has to climb that wall mm, every single it. time yeah. to move across to the other house. Um, or you can use it to lay that foundation um, for them to walk across this beautifully laid, strong, sturdy path. And whilst you can't build that whole path, the other parent has to has their thousand little red bricks as well. You got to make all the effort and all um, the energy into putting your thousand little red bricks in the right place, the right stepping stones for your child to be able to 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 go and have that relationship with that other person and to respect the position that they have in their child's life and 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 work towards that. Um, and it's something that, that really stuck with me when I first read that many years ago. And I use that all the time. You know, how are you going to use your bricks? Like, what are you going to do with those? You can't control the other person laying their bricks. You can support them and try and encourage them and, and show an example and um, help them lay their foundations as well. You're not always going to achieve that. Um, but it's about what you can do for your child and um you know and and they'll figure that out in the long run oh they you will just, yeah they do don't yeah, they say, <laughs> yeah yeah they'll figure it out because you know the relationship you had with your parents is determined by like your parents now is determined by the experiences that you had with them when you were growing up and the decisions that you made about them not what someone else told you about them so you know your children are going to do the same thing with you they're going to um, have the relationship with you when they're older um, that is determined by how you lay your bricks today. Mm, you um, can't go back and change it, can you? It's too uh, late by then, so yeah. you have to do it right now. Yeah, 100%. Um, so in addition to a parenting plan, which we've already talked about, and the well-being of our children, which has to be number one, the other big issue is the separation and sharing of assets and a financial settlement. Um, so we are um, getting on in time, so yeah. I, I'm still going to throw this one in. Um, can you just give us a few suggestions for how to get started on the right foot for peaceful resolution in these really quite difficult areas? Yeah, so in terms of financial, a lot of emotion around money um, always is about getting advice. So it's not about trying to rip someone off or not getting legal advice. Um, you know, you have to get a list of all your assets um, and all your liabilities and they put it all out on the table. They look at financial 
um, considerations and non-financial considerations. It might be that you're a stay-at-home mum for the last five years and did all the homemaking and everything like that while um, your partner went out to work. So those are considerations that are all made when they come up with like a percentage and, and different things like that. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, understanding what your capacity is now. So, you know, there's really three options for your home. It's either, you know, one party stays in it, the other party stays in it, or or you sell it. Um, you know, they're really the three outcomes, um, but it's the emotion around processing doing that is probably the biggest thing. But talking to your accountant, a financial planner, um, your bank, and really understanding the position that you sit in financially because whether you, you know, whether you like it or not, both parties, whenever any um, people separate into two, two households, there is a financial stress. There is a um, reduction in financial capacity because you're now operating two homes. You, you, you're both paying rents and mortgages. You're both paying rates or, you know, electricity, water, things that you used to share together as one is now two. And, um, and your income, you know, your household income is not as much either. So understanding that there is financial stress when you separate um, your capacity of what you can afford and, and what you can do does decrease and it takes an adjustment, but get advice and also the biggest thing is make it um, make it legally binding. We That's something I always, you know, give advice about and, and give recommendations to is to make sure that that agreement is legally binding and that's because um, there are incidences down the down the track where you know say um, if you're lucky enough to win lotto or a, or a, a significant amount of money on a scratch it or something um, if it's not a legally bind binding um, document then that can be um, contested by the other party um, and, and it can be undone depending on the time frame after when when you had that income come in or an inheritance come in or something like that. So it's really important to understand those things and there's lots of law things about, um, about financial separation. So that's not something I know um, a lot about. I know how to separate assets and help people work through those decisions um, but it is something that you do need advice about. It's, it is important because... While some people say, oh, just all I'm worried about is the children, if you don't um, think about your finances and think about, you know, it's not about ripping the other person off or taking them for everything. It's about what's fair and equitable in a financial separation um, because you were a, a partnership and you did work together to build those things together. Um, it's about your future and your children's future because if you can't afford the rent and you can't afford... Um, you know, you have no nothing to retire on or something like that, that impacts on you. It impacts on them. So whilst the time your children spend with you and where they spend it and how they spend it in terms of care arrangements is super critical, is super important, so is your financial separation. So is the separation of the assets and the property and don't be bullied into um, making decisions about that. You know, take your time, get the advice. Mm -hmm. And stand up for, you know, in a way for, for what is reasonably, you know, you're entitled to. And I, I say that to every client, male, female, it, it, you know, it's just something that is quite, in a way, straightforward. It's just hard to part with the money. 
yes of course it is and <laughs> I think you need, <laughs> you need a clean break don't you why why not do it properly um, and yes. then have it come back to bite you just as things have settled down and you've settled into your co-parenting relationship something financial comes up and you didn't yes. sort it out at the beginning and it can take you straight back on it to where things are not good um, and I also think as well you do have to live with yourself. So it's not about taking your ex-partner for everything you can. It's about what's fair. You need to sleep at night. And one day you're probably going to have to explain it to your kids. And you're not going to look very good if you if you were unfair or you demanded something that, that wasn't um, really rightfully yours. You just you just have to do the right thing. And, and then you yeah. have to, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's and, and move on with your life when it comes to financials. Mm. And just realise, wow, okay that happened and um <laughs> and, yeah, and, and dust yourself off and um and rebuild you can do it like yes you can you know you absolutely can and it's um it's something to you know and once burnt twice shy they say so <laughs> just don't do it a second time <laughs> no, that's exactly right. um, it's it's very different the second time i promise you that so um uh, yeah it's well you your... learn a lot don't you so oh yeah a hundred percent in the true nature of these podcasts i like to leave the single mums listening with actionable advice and ideas of where to get more information so can you share with us um, some resources services and anything else that can help us reach a peaceful resolution in all areas of our separation yeah so the number one um that i sort of tell all of my uh, parents when dealing in parenting matters is a book called The Whole Brain Child by um, Daniel Segal and Tina, Tina um, Payne Bryson. It um, is an amazing book that, separating or not, it just lets you understand how your children work and how they think and how they process emotion and, and stress. Um, and it is so important and it helps you read signals that you need to understand um, in order, and it allows you to support them better. So it's such a great resource. Um, I really love his work and, and what he does there. Um, and the other one is, you know, for dealing with um, your ex-partner and learning to, to communicate with, you know, high-conflict personalities. A lot of the time I read a lot and deal with a lot of parents who um, ex-partners and, uh, you know, narcissistic or, you know, th those types of um, really high-conflict personalities is a book called Biff, um, B-I-F-F, by Bill Eddy. Um, is an absolutely outstanding resource and it teaches you how to communicate to someone who is, you know, has those those really high conflict type of personalities um, that, you know, whether it's borderline personality disorder or, you know, things like that. And you can use them for everyday people as well in terms of how you respond to them. Um, and, and it has, you know, the BIF is an acronym um, for responding where you keep it brief, you keep it informative and you keep friendly and firm. So, um, and, it, and it has lots of examples in there about how to um, communicate with people who, who are pushing you or who you do feel bullied by. Um, and it really helps you set that boundary and gives you a sense of self-confidence as well to say, you know, no, that's my response. And, and um, you know, or I need time to think about this. I'll get back to you in 24 hours or, you know, on Monday or something like that, you know, acknowledging what they're asking you and then, and yeah, it's got so many good things in it. Um, I can't recommend those two reads enough. And Bill Eddy's the guy with the bricks. 
Yeah, yes. He's a big um, guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He wrote the other book that um, the uh, the thousand little red bricks came from is called Don't Alienate the Kids, um, and it talks about like parental alienation and um, being excluded mm. from and in relation to high conflict personalities as well. So um, he's an amazing. Um, amazing professional who's done so much work with people who do have those high conflict personalities i shall be on booktopia yeah. later on today i think placing <laughs> an order <laughs> look we are we really um have pushed our limit on time um i have done all of our questions because god it was so interesting thank you so much um luckily i do put a time limit onto these podcasts otherwise we'd probably still be here at, at lunchtime chatting away <laughs> look very quickly before we finish sarah can you just tell us a little bit about your business um pay mac mediations in terms of what you provide and what the single mums listening will visit will find if they go and visit your site yeah, so um, Paymac Mediations is all about, um, you know, mediating and supporting parents through um, through separation. So I, you've listened for the last hour, I'm very passionate. I am about reducing the impact of conflict and separation on children um, because I understand how devastating that can be and how difficult that can be. I am a child of a high-conflict divorce and... I never wanted that for my children and, and that's where I come from. So, you know, we do parenting um, separations and we also like parenting plans. We also do property settle, um, separations as well, settlements. Um, but also too, I, I do work in the in the space of um, co-parent coaching as well. So, you know, people get their co- their parenting plan or, um, you know, they go through all this, this process and they're like, well, how do I even make that work now? Or I'm really struggling with this and they just want to talk about, the day-to-day operation as a co-parent, like what could they do better or how could they handle this situation? And um, and that's where I use that counselling, but more so in coaching and empowering parents to be that co-parent, to put that hat on and to really show up with that business-like relationship, to, to be there and to, you know, support them in helping them understand a separation story and things like that and um, helping parents to work together. Sometimes I see both parents together um, to help lay that foundation because they're struggling um, and, the, and they, they want the best for their children as every parent does. Yeah so you're you're teaching them aren't you you're teaching them and you're yeah. giving them tools that they can take away and use in their life to yeah. make their situation better which is extremely valuable. Um, look it's been wonderful chatting to you today Sarah there are so many single mums out there currently going through this horrible difficult period um, some need mediators others need the courts but for many they simply need some sound advice and to be pointed in the right direction and I think we've done a lot of that today um, thank you for sharing your extensive knowledge and experience with us um, and thank you single mums for listening as ever there's been so much information provided in this episode but I think the main point to take away from it is that there is a peaceful way to get through this And the more peaceful we can make it, the less stressful it will be for everyone involved. Most importantly, our beautiful children who need to be firmly placed at the centre of the stage. Until next time, ladies, goodbye.